This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison here as we look back at the Merseyside derby and plenty more talking points that have followed since. Absolutely loads for us to get into this afternoon, but before we do that, I should probably introduce our guests today. Ian Doyle, Joe Rimmer and Connor Dunn all join me. Gents, it's been a busy day of news. How are we all getting on? Not bad. Fine, yeah, yeah. It always gets confusing this because you ask us all at the same time, so I never know in what order we should answer. No, not a problem. Well, we are all doing okay. That is the main thing. And I suppose we should probably start with some positive news on Alison Becker. It was initially thought in that he would be out until the next international break, but there has today been a little bit of an update on him. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the latest that we've heard is that he's just started kind of training in the last couple of days. Uh, he's basically not working with the team yet, but he's working individually a bit of one-on-one session to where he's doing a bit of diving and a bit of falling over which as we know is is quite good for a goalkeeper and a, and a striker in need for penalties actually even when you think about it anyway uh but yeah the, the suggestion i mean Jurgen klopp said it on friday didn't he? he said that he's hoping that things have moved on he said he, he was in a very good shape he wasn't going to put any timeline on it but the, the indication then is that it when we first thought that he'd be out for six weeks perhaps it wouldn't be the case and it now seems as though while Liverpool are still putting, you know, they don't want to put a target for when they expect him to be uh, returning. But the the kind of the mood is that he may be back be, by the end of the month. I think it's the West Ham game. Is it on Saturday, uh, a week on Saturday? I think it is. Which would be good timing given the fact that Liverpool, before the international break in November, they've got two massive games, which are in the Champions League away at Atalanta. And of course, the final games in the Premier League at Manchester City. So with Virgil van Dijk missing Liverpool, uh, I think I worked it out that for, for most of the game on, on Saturday, they, they were without the most expensive goalkeeper, defender, midfielder and forward. So the fact that they're going to get one of those back is it, it, going to be good news for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I mean, how important do you think, you know, Alisson potentially returning for that West Ham game could be? I mean, have you been as concerned by Adrian as, as some people seem to have been? To be fair, yeah. I mean, I think Alisson is just... And, and this isn't really a reflection on Adrian. It's more that Allison is such a quality goalkeeper that you take him out. If he was in any side, you'd take him out and they would suffer. And, and Liverpool have now lost possibly their biggest personality in Van Dijk at the back and, and the, with their second biggest personality perhaps in Allison missing. Um, that would be, well, be very difficult. But it's been, it's been really good news that he's coming back quicker than expected, especially for that Manchester City game. Um and I just think it will help settle that back four, especially as we're probably going to see a couple of new partnerships in terms of Matip and Gomez, maybe Fabinho will come in. So I think Liverpool could do with um, a more settled goalkeeper, the two full-backs not getting injured as well. So, yeah, it's massive for them. And I think he will be the vocal presence presence that um, perhaps Van Dijk is at times in that back four. So really, really big news, um, really good. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see Alisson back because I think he's... Um, Yes, I just think he's the best goalkeeper in the world. I don't think many people would disagree with me. And given, of course, the injury to Van Dijk, Connor, does that, as Joe says, make it even more of a boost for Liverpool, this news today? I suppose it, it doesn't balance it out, of course, because you know Van Dijk is going to be out for a long period of time, but it just helps Liverpool fans swallow the, the news a little bit better than maybe they would have done. Yes, yeah, it's, it's obviously massive. I mean, 
Van Dijk injury or not, uh, Alisson coming back in into Liverpool's first team is is huge, huge news. And the, the fact is that Van Dijk is out, as Joe said, you're going to get somebody who's a commanding presence in the back line, which is definitely what they need. I mean, I know you spoke to Joe just a little bit about Adrian then. I mean, there's been a couple of occasions where I thought he's looked a little bit nervous, push a couple over the bar against Everton, little things like that. And I just think, you know, Alisson, again, it's just because the standard of Alisson is so ridiculous, so good that he'll come in and he'll just make such a big difference to the back line and just shore everything up. And it's exactly what Liverpool need right now. So, yeah, the sooner he's back, the better. But obviously, don't want to rush him. And if it is the, the West Ham game, Ian, that he does come back, that means that he'll only miss two, not three Champions League matches. As you said, he'll also be back for that game at the Etihad as well. It is a crucial period in Liverpool's season. And this, obviously, for, for those reasons, is a, a huge piece of news. It's probably a bit more crucial in terms of the Champions League group stage because the games are played so close together. Normally, you'd have two weeks between them and then a, an international break. And now there's only one international break between them. And they've only got one week in between the games. So they're in two two you know runs of three midweek games. So if you're out for just a couple of weeks, you're missing half of the group stage. So for Liverpool to have Alisson back for the game in Atalanta, which you probably argue is going to be their most difficult game of the group, would be great. But you know, as I said, Liverpool aren't really putting a target on it, but the, the mere fact that Klopp was so upbeat on Friday and the news that we're, we've heard today is that you know that he will be back and it, it seems as though he's not really had any reaction to the injury yet. There's, there's been no suggestion that he's needed surgery or anything. It's just been one where he's had to just rest and just see, see how it's gone. So it's obviously gone a lot better than they initially thought. And I actually think that Liverpool missing... Allison is perhaps more of a blow than the missing Van Dijk because you can okay I know Van Dijk is the best goal best sorry best defender in the world he probably would be the best goalkeeper if you, if, you, if you put his mind to it but if he's the best defender in the world that goalkeeper is such a specialist position and it is the last line of defence that with Allison there the other players will perhaps feel a little bit more confident although I have to say I thought Adrian was was okay against Everton but his overall play was all right I know you could argue that. He could have had stronger hands for the header from Keane, but it literally was from about five yards. And I mean, I mentioned in the ratings he could have had stronger hands, but I haven't actually seen the replay. There wasn't, you know, he was in the right place, but it's one of those ones where it, it would have been fortunate had he saved it, shall we put it that way. But, you know, as, as I've said, the back line, the defence, the whole team seems to have more confidence when Allison's in goal. And that's because he is the best goalkeeper in the world in such a specialised position. He's impossible to replace. And while we'll get on to Van Dijk in a bit, presumably, we... He's going to be very hard to replace, but there are ways and means of doing it. Whereas with Alisson, it's very difficult to, to replace him. Yeah, Virgil van Dijk's injury, of course, the other big talking points, as you say, from the weekend. But before we get into that, though, here is what Jurgen Klopp had to say over the weekend. What can I say? Find a word. I don't want to say John Pickford wanted to do it, but it's a, it's, of course, not a challenge how a goalie can do it in the box because there's another player and if you if it's not offside it's a 100% penalty and uh, so it's nothing well, that's all well we'll talk about the game obviously shortly Ian but first no retrospective action from the FA that was announced this morning over Jordan Pickford what are your thoughts on that and and was that a surprise at all Right, I think we can take out any kind of suggestion it's a conspiracy against Liverpool or it's something in favour of Everton or the fact that, you know, whether it's because Jordan Pickford's an England international, whether they want to make an example of him or they don't want to make an example of him, forget all of that. What this is about is protecting 
the technicalities of, of the way things are with the FA, the way that VAR works. And they basically, if we're being perfectly honest here, they've just put the two officials out to dry, haven't they? Michael Oliver and and David Coote, who was VAR at the time. They've just said, right, it's, it's their decision. They were the ones who decided not to take any action. It's out of our hands. You know, it's up to them too. So, you know, if you've got, if you're upset, go and have a word with those two, which of course you can't do because, you know, quite to, to in this extent, to, for this example, sorry, you you know, referee officials should just be allowed to get on with their jobs in this sense. I don't think they've got anything to answer for in that sense. If It's more to do with the technicalities and the FA and the Premier League and whoever's made this decision has just said, well, no, we don't want to get involved in this. It's up to the two officials to do this. So it's unfortunate the way things have panned out because obviously Van Dyke's going to be out for a very long time, might be back this season. For me, won't be till next season probably. And it was a terrible challenge, but it also the way that the decision has been has been made by putting it back on the officials is made it nice and easy in the sense that there's no suggestion that they're inviting it to happen again. As in, there's been some suggestion on social media of, of people saying, "Oh, if I'm if I'm a goalkeeper and I'm flagged offside, uh, sorry, the, the forwards flagged offside, I can just go out and just kick him, you know, just deck him, and I'll be able to get away with it because they'll just say, "Oh, it's offside." Well, they won't because it'll be up to the officials then to decide it. And if the same thing happens again, I can rest assured whoever's playing, you can bet that the VAR people, the, the you know the officials, they'll have said the referee, the, the on-pitch referee, they'll have said, right, we're going to sort this out because we saw what happened last time with Pickford. So unfortunately, I think Liverpool are just victims of kind of a grey area in the application of the rules. And it means the Ferraria, after all this, means we're almost certain never to see this happen again. Yeah, I suppose it is a good point, really, that it wouldn't actually benefit Liverpool now anyway. Retrospective action would only negatively impact Everton. So in terms of of Liverpool in that regard, it's not a huge thing. I mean, Joe, it was a bad tackle from Jordan Pickford. We saw what Jamie Carragher said last night. He said it's it's one of those things. These things tend to happen on football pitches. He cited the, the tackle on Nani that he put in. Equally, he had challenges on him. Liverpool fans understandably angry, I think, but... Where do you stand on the, the whole incident? I thought Carragher was absolutely spot on. Look, it was a, it was a terrible tackle, and and you know, this this grey area in the rules aside, you know, Jordan Pickford should have been punished for a terrible tackle, but he should have been punished with a three game ban, like any player is punished with a, for a terrible tackle. You know, you see a lot of people afterwards. Understandably, people are angry. I thought social media was was toxic over the weekend, and. You know, I, I must admit, I came away from the game, you know, the fan in me, very angry. It was it was just that sort of game. It felt there was a couple of big injustices for Liverpool and 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 that one was um, was really bad. And, and when you get the insult to injury, quite literally, with, um, with Van Dijk now being badly, badly injured, um, it makes it 10 times worse. So, yeah, you know, Jordan Pickford should have been punished, but let's... I mean, one thing I think about after I see that you know the reaction afterwards is let's not kid ourselves. These tackles go in every week. You know, they bad injuries happen in football all the time. You're always going to get them. You know, and and Liverpool will dish out some bad tackles at times, and and they'll be on the receiving end of some. I don't think like Jordan Pickford should. You know, I don't think he deserves the abuse that he will get. I don't think he deserves some of the stuff that's gone his way. I just think he deserves a three-match ban, like. Like I think he should have got for um, for what was a very very bad tackle, but I think people do tend to get a bit emotional about these things, which I suppose is understandable. But 
you know, these things happen on the football pitch, don't they? So, um, you know, we saw one immediately, didn't we, the, the following day with um, Dunk, the Brighton defender, put in a, a very bad tackle. So they happen. It's a bad one, but I think people should calm down now. You know, we have to move on. Jordan Pickford's not going to be punished. I don't think that's correct, um, but that's that's what's going to happen. And, and Liverpool need to move on and, and just concentrate on getting Van Dijk fit and, and um, hopefully he's back as soon as possible. And with Van Dijk out, Connor, that leaves just Gomez, Matip and Fabinho really as senior centre-back options for Liverpool. I mean, how do you think those three as a, a trio, Gomez, Matip and Fabinho, maybe compare to the other top teams around the Premier League? Because when you look at it, there is a kind of dearth of, of top quality centre-halves at the moment. Liverpool maybe are not as good or not going to be as impacted as what they might have been at certain other points in time. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that a second in a second. I just want to add something on Pickford and the fact that he wasn't punished retrospectively. I think he obviously deserves a ban. He obviously should have been sent off in the game. But I think therein lies a flaw of the whole system. And I think that's probably what this incident has exposed in terms of there's no, it's not synonymous in the way it all works. David Coote hasn't recommended to Michael Oliver. Michael Oliver hasn't gone to the screens. The FA haven't, it's, there's, no, there's no link between any of them. It's all, they each take an individual line and that's why it just it just doesn't work. But anyway, as Joe says, we're going to have to move on because what's done is done. And that, as they say, is that in terms of Pickford and we just have to wish Van Dijk well. Um, I think I might have a different opinion on this centre-back partnership to a few people, but I think it might help Matip and it might help Gomez because when you look at Liverpool playing, opposition teams constantly target whoever isn't Van Dijk. So a lot of the centre-back pressure and the onus of the defence is on Gomez or it's on Matip if he's playing alongside Van Dijk. But taking Van Dijk out of that equation, it's, it almost seems to me that Matip and Gomez are now going to kind of share the centre-back duties. So they're both not going to have too much, like as much as they've had on him in, in games alongside Van Dijk. Although he gives the calming presence and, you know, it's undoubtedly going to be a huge miss. I think individually for those two players it might help and as you say the standard of defending in the Premier League we've seen this season bits of last season has been appalling to be honest the Tottenham game last night when some of the West Ham players were showing Son onto his strong foot to whip it in the corner and things like that. it's just stuff you'd never see and to be fair Mina just trying to clear that ball to Salah in the in the, in the derby it's terrible really defending so I don't think perhaps the the quality that Liverpool are going to miss with Van Dijk is actually going to hurt them too much, even compared to other teams, because you've got to think about how well Matic played in that Champions League run and the final, and how good Joe, Go, Gomez was at the start of last season for parts of the, you know, the season just gone. I don't think it's too bad at all. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I mentioned actually, Conor, in my piece that I wrote yesterday about that, about Gomez. But the other thing on top of that is that perhaps Robertson's now going to have more asked about him defensively because if they're not going if they weren't going down the left hand side because Van Dyke was there perhaps they might be doing this time and of course it's Robertson who got not caught out but he was kind of overpowered wasn't he for the Dominic Calvert-Lewin's equaliser so yeah. maybe it's a slightly swings and roundabouts in that but just go just final thing on, on Pickford is that Liverpool actually they lost out because not only should Pickford have been sent off but he then made two great saves. What was it from Trent Alexander-Arnold's free kick and Joel Matip's header, which could have made all the difference. And when he did make a mistake, Everton, you know, well, he, to a certain extent, got away with it because of the very marginal offside call against Sadio Mane, which meant his mistake for allowing Jordan Henderson's shot to go in, was allowed. So Liverpool, 
while there were some people were saying why Liverpool writing or writing to the uh, Premier League to ask for clarification on VAR in, implementation of it, well, it's it's for future reference. I mean, last season, Everton did the same, City did the same, Brighton did the same. I think it was Villa as well did the same, possibly Leicester. <laughs> it's it's going to very soon come to a point of every single Premier League team will have written to the the Premier League and the FA to say, well, how does this work? And unfortunately, with it being a a new initiative, it, what is it? Is it only it's it, this is only the second season, isn't it? Of it that you and the rules keep on changing all the time over X, Y, and Z and all that kind of stuff. Is that you're just going to keep on getting this until it it settles down? But unfortunately, Liverpool have have lost out in this case, and I think the fact that Van Dijk's now out for it wouldn't have made Pickford's challenge. He, Van Dijk would still be out for however long he's out, whether it's VAR or not, because he's he's gone and done it. He's, he's quite a rash goalkeeper. He's done this before with, I think it was Deli Alley, was it, where he came out feet first rather than hands, which was a little bit weird. And fortunately for Deli Alley that time, he managed to get out of the way. There was no contact, but there was this time. And if you've got a player like Van Dyke going down, and we know how strong he is now, he doesn't necessarily feel the pain as much as some other, say, Liverpool centre-backs, then that must have properly hurt. And it's no wonder the players were concerned, but it's gone now. And, you know, the Pickford situation's been dealt with. Liverpool just have to crack on because... You know, they've got no other option now. And just to pick up, sorry, just to pick up on, on what Donnie was saying. The, the one decision that, that I I couldn't get my head around and I still struggle with it is that offside at the end. I'm, I'm yet to see an angle that shows Mane even in the slightest offside. I don't really understand. Do do the VAR officials see a different angle or do they see the same they, angle? That apparently, they apparently, apparently they see a better quality of image that they then but cannot... They, transmit down the line in terms of a picture apparently that's but they've, they've always said that from the start but even so i mean there's it still an element of human but, error yeah, in this, isn't yeah. there? they even, draw the lines physically yeah. they draw them so how can you it's crazy it's it's a thing. Didn't they, about where's the benefit of the doubt gone where's the inline rule is they said it's manage shirt imagine trying to score with the edge of your shirt like, I just don't understand, as you say, the benefit of the doubt was always, you know, I, I was always led to believe in offsides that the benefit of the doubt would go to the attacker. And and in that situation, I cannot for the life of me see how an official can look at that and go, yeah, he's offside. Surely there would be, there would be he'd be looking at it saying, I think he might be, but I can't be 100% sure. And, and it's not, you know, we've seen very marginal ones last season when we saw... Uh, was it Aston Villa? Liverpool scored through Firmino, and there was a, there was a hand or something. But you could see, as as, as silly and as, as small as it was, you could see maybe an elbow or a, a finger sticking out. But this one, I, I can't. Every time I look at it, I think, well, how can you tell? And also because Manny is the closest person to the, the picture, he's always going to look like the most prominent person in the picture. I, it's it's a decision which, you know. I, I'm all for getting the offsides right, and I, and I do. You know, I, I thought last season when people were saying they were unfair, I thought, well, at least there's a right and a wrong. But in this case, I just, I just can't understand how you can chalk off a goal um, and be sure about it. Surely, that you know, David Coote must have been looking at that and going, I'm not 100% sure. So how's he decided no rather than yes? It's, um, it's, it's a crazy one, and 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 that I think was as bad as anything because. The Pickford wants to miss it. Okay, fine. You know, and they can talk about grey areas and and strange rules with that they check for an offside, and if he's offside, they can't red card him. But the offside one was was there to be, you know, it was as clear as, as day, and I just don't understand it. I, I I cannot get my head around it. 
It's not giving too much. Well. Away. It's going to say it's not giving too much away. Where obviously I was at the game at Goodison, <clears> and where we were sitting was away from the press box because of you know the coronavirus regulations, this, that, and the other. And we could only we couldn't really see replays properly. So I just assumed because they've looked at it, it must have been offside when they gave it because no, none of the players argued. Because I think I, I think it was was it Robertson or Robertson said he didn't even celebrate the goal at the time or properly because or he thought better of doing it. I think he did get involved in the end because he, he thought, oh, Sadio might have been offside. So everyone just got on with the game. So I didn't even see any replays of it until yesterday, till last night, just thinking that must be offside. And I watched the replay and I'm like, hang on, where is he actually offside here? Where is he? Where's this line getting drawn? So it was only then that I was, I kind of put a trust in people drawing these lines or drawing them correctly and this, that and the other, because there is a certain sense of, okay, yeah, it, it may not be the way that we like it to be implemented, but if he's offside, he's offside. It doesn't matter. It could be a mile offside or an inch. It doesn't matter. He's offside. But this time it was like, how? Where? What? What's going on? Is it the top of his sleeve? Can he, can he save something? He's meant to be able to score with the top of his sleeve, but Mina... I think it was his arm was extended but because he's not legally supposed to be able to stop the ball with his hand that means that that's not played in part of it but then i'm pretty sure if mina stops something with his hand then it's a penalty so you know what i mean it's like it's like what's what's going on it's it just... the closest one we've seen isn't it i mean there's just nothing in it and it's almost like it's a decision designed to stop goals and goals are what you want to see in football it just and... It, it didn't matter what team it was, and yeah, we're all talking about the Liverpool podcast, but it just is the it's the maddest offside decision I've ever seen. I think it's, I don't think we'll see one as close to that ever again. And you can just imagine all that, like the FA or the people at VAR when it come up when they think, we'll just oh, we'll check this goal. And this sort of was like, oh no, <laughs> you can just like, oh, what, what what's what we going to do here? You know. So, in, in that case, then why why if if you if he looked at it and thought, oh my god, how can I how can I tell? Then you give the goal, don't you? Because you you obviously right. don't know. I hate, just, to, I hate to I hate to worry about rugby league because I know none, 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 none of you watches it, but I do. But they've had video referees for years. And what they do for marginal calls is the referee on the pitch will give a decision whether it's a try or not a try. Then we go to the video and it's up to the video to conclusively prove the opposite if it's the case. And if they can't, mm -hmm. and if there's an element of doubt, they give it to the decision that the referee gave on the pitch. And I'm wondering whether there's any way football can use that in the terms of well, the linesman didn't give offside, and the referee didn't give offside, and it's so close, we're not going to give offside. See, it's like in cricket, isn't it? If the umpire gives a decision, yeah. you have to get two out of the three things right in Hawkeye, and it stays with him, but if it's one yeah. out of three, and they over overturn it. It might need to be a bit of a, more of a system of levels rather than just flat out with those tiny calls, this is wrong and this is right, because there wasn't really a wrong and a right in that situation. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's so, so hard to, to know when the ball was kicked as well. I don't quite know how you can work that out because that's, of course, what it all is. He, he was well. looking the wrong way as well when he passed it. See, he did everybody, even in VAR, didn't he? <laughs> anyway, we will draw a line under VAR. No pun intended there. But, uh, Ian, before we, we move on, we will just touch quickly on Joel Matip as well. Obviously, some news of a, a potential scan for him, and I'm sure you can fill us in with the, the details on that. Well, it's not a potential scan. It actually was a scan, uh, which he had on Saturday after the game. Uh, uh, there was some video appeared on social media today, which suggested he'd, he'd had it today, but that's not the case. It was Saturday after the game. To be honest, we thought possibly he was visiting Virgil van Dijk in, in the hospital, but no, he'd gone for a scan. He complained of uh, 
slight discomfort in one of his muscles in his leg, and the scans brought it, brought nothing up. So technically, he's not injured in that sense. But I'm pretty sure Liverpool won't be taking any chances, especially with, with you know, Joe Matip hasn't got the best injury record, and he's literally played started two games, two Premier League games in a year. So they don't want to, with only Joe, you know, as we mentioned, Joe Gomez is the only other fit available senior centre-back, I should say, that uh, not going to take any chances. So we'll only find, you know, Jurgen Klopp will talk a bit more about it tomorrow, his press conference before the, the game in Holland on Wednesday. And but it's not, not great, is it? It just underlined that Liverpool are probably going to have to get somebody else in in January. And they're going to have to muddle through till then. And they've got 17 games, is it 11 in the Premier League and six in the Champions League. So they're going to have to hope that Matip and Gomez and Fabinho, at least two of them, stay fit all the way through. And on top of that, even if Van Dijk had been fit, they'd have been rotating them anyway because they're playing so many games. So it, it's the worst of all worlds for Liverpool. And the fact that they didn't replace Lovren, it was a calculated risk with Fabinho. But, you know... you. It's not ideal for Liverpool anyway, let's put it that way. And in terms of the, the actual game of football that took place itself, Joe, Mohamed Salah reaching 100 goals for Liverpool. It's almost gone under the radar given everything else that's happened, but it's a, a very significant milestone for him in a, a very short period of time. It was a ridiculous finish, wasn't it? It was so good. It came out so fast. No backlift, just wham, and it was in the bottom corner. And I think it took everyone by surprise. It was just such such a sublime finish. I think it sort of underlines just how good um, you know Salah has now become in terms of. I mean, finishing those chances is just. I mean, he used to miss a few, didn't he? But yeah, he's he's um, superb. But as, as for the rest of the game of football, you know, I think it's probably you know easy to forget that Liverpool were very very good. You know, I thought on the day, I thought. They, you know, considering Everton have had a really, really good season so far, but Liverpool were by far and away the better team. Uh, Thiago looked, um, you know, every bit the player that people hoped he would be. Um, you know, his his vision and his passing was brilliant. Um, I thought Henderson was was outstanding. Just the bundle of energy that Liverpool have missed, and um, you know, I, I was really. You know, we might not see that midfield much now, but I was really, really excited about that midfield. I thought they, they worked really well together and just complemented each other so well. You had the steel of Fabinho, the, the energy of Henderson and, and, and then the skill of um, of Thiago. And then the front three, you know, I, I know Firmino's having a bit of a, a quiet season, but Mane and Salah look as good as they've ever been. The two of them look like they're in absolutely top form. So, you know, I know we've talked about Van Dijk a lot, but you take him out of it and Liverpool have still got a lot of very, very good players and, and players that can still win a lot of games. And you know, uh, you know, the pessimistic side of me thinks they might, well, they will struggle without Van Dijk. But then, you know, how many other teams in that league can boast the players Liverpool can? And, and I just don't think anyone can really. So I still think Liverpool should be favourites. Um, and you know, look at that performance, and I think they performed very, very well indeed. Yeah, some of the football at Goodison, I thought, was absolutely breathtaking, to be honest with you. Some of the passing down the left-hand side and the interplay coming inside and cutting Everton open just, yeah, just started on the front foot, exactly what you expected to see. And that's the point, isn't it, that you're making, really? The players they have up front, that front three, the middle three as well, the attack might be the best form of defence, to be honest. Then we might see Liverpool just simply outscoring teams again rather than, you know, just pressing well, shutting teams down and and seeing out one, two, 
2-0 leads. Um, so I'm not as worried as perhaps I think I was before this podcast, happily. Um, but yeah, I did. I really enjoyed the performance. I think Liverpool totally deserved the win. I thought, I thought in every sector they were better. And, you know, Van Dijk's injury changed everything. I don't think Keane gets that header in the centre of the box. I don't think Calvert-Lewin gets that header in the centre of the box. But either goal, if Van Dijk is in the middle, jumping with them, the towering, posing player that he is, putting them off or doing whatever he does. Um, but yeah, I thought Liverpool were unlucky. But yeah, the, the, the actual football at times was, was sensational. Um, and as, as Joe said, Henderson, Thiago, outstanding. And actually, Joel Matip, having played, as Joey said, two games, was excellent, to be honest. Um, but it was a commanding presence. When Gomez came on, I thought he led the back line really well. And I was really impressed. So a bit sad to see that he went for a scan on Saturday. But he's he's fine. Fingers crossed for those listening. <laughs> And given sort of the, the quality in attacking, do you think we could almost see a, a change of approach with Virgil van Dijk not being there and possibly Liverpool could go back to what they were before they signed him under Klopp in that they almost just tried to outscore teams? They did and they won nothing. So I'm rather hoping they don't go back to that. Um, but they might not have any choice. I mean, the, the thing is, they're going to they're gonna have to have a, a centre-back who's just going to head it. They need, to set, they need to just work on Gomez's and, and Matip's head. Matip in particular, he had you know the cracking header didn't he at the at one end where he should, it could easily be in a goal, but uh, otherwise that's where Liverpool are going to miss Van Dijk. You can replace certain aspects of his game. I think Liverpool probably won't be playing out from the back or keeping the ball knocking around the back as much as they would have done with Van Dijk. He's such a good pass of the ball. Michael Arteta said the other week, didn't he, that when when we put them under pressure, we just Van Dijk just hit a diagonal to Salah and then they were out and then we were in trouble. And I don't think well Gomez and and Matip can both. Yeah, they can both pass the ball, but not as well as Van Dijk can. So there will inevitably have to be some kind of tactical switch, whether they play such a high line. I'm pretty sure they won't be doing that. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, I think you've got to forget, you've got to remember, yeah, as, as, as the other lads have said, they've still got Mane, they've still got Salah, they've still got Henderson was in great form on Saturday. They've got this, this new guy called Thiago, you may have heard about him. There are enough other decent players to make up for the fact that the best defender is going to be missing probably for the season. And while I never thought Liverpool, or so I'll rephrase that, while I thought it was always going to be incredibly difficult for Liverpool to retain the title, now I actually don't think that they will. I still think that the, the, the whoever wins the league will lose about six or seven games. So I wouldn't be too concerned about losing a few more games until, until January, because I do think Liverpool might look to bring forward any kind of centre-back move they were trying to, pursue next summer because why wouldn't you yeah definitely let's talk a little bit about the Ajax game then on Wednesday night Liverpool getting their Champions League campaign underway Joe I'll come to you first on this one I mean how important do you think it is for for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool this season to go further than what they did last season of course getting knocked out in the last 16 yeah it's it's a strange I think because we went into lockdown so soon after um after that defeat and Obviously, the the political climate surrounded that game. I think it's it's quite easy to forget how gutting really that was. You know, to to you know, not defend their crown and to go out in such circumstances was quite well. It was very very disappointing, really. And, and and Liverpool really should have got through that night. So, you know, if it wasn't for mistakes they made and, and Adrian made, they they might have got through. So, you know, I think it was gutting, and I'd, I'd like to see Liverpool go further. I think again, we talk about without Van Dijk, you know, does that change their status? I'm sure. It would, but, you know, I think Liverpool would fancy themselves 
against any team in Europe. You know, you look around and I don't think there are many teams as strong as as Liverpool. You know, the only only two or three. So, you know, I think Liverpool should be looking at semi-finals minimum, really. Um, and and yeah, and put right what last season because I just I think it was good. I think I don't think. I just don't think Liverpool deserve to go out. I don't think they should have gone out. I think they know it themselves. They shot themselves in the foot that night. So, yeah, um, I want to see Liverpool get to the semis again. And, you know, as long as they're in contention for trophies, that's the main thing, isn't it? You know, I think every year you just want to be in those semi-finals and finals. And, you know, I want to see them really push on and, and have another go in Europe. And we know how good they can be. So, um, I think that whole squad knows a thing or two about winning and Thiago knows a thing or two about winning. So, you know, I wouldn't bet against Liverpool at all. Ajax, of course, much changed since they got to the, the semi-finals a couple of years ago, Connor. But they've still got some some very good players, even if they have lost the likes of, of Frankie de Jong and, and Donny van der Beek. What are you expecting from the game on Wednesday? From speaking to, to people over in Holland, it, it seems like Ajax are going to come out and attack Liverpool. And I suppose that sets up a, a really mouth-watering game. I think whenever you think of Ajax and the sort of teams, they always seem to put out, they're young, they are fast, they're pacey, they're, they are want to play football, they're attacking. Um, and that is just the blueprint you kind of have with them. It's a bit of a dream tie, really, for Liverpool to go away to Amsterdam, especially for the fans. It's obviously such a shame, the situation that we're in, given everything there. But yeah, I'm, I'm expecting probably Ajax to play a little bit into Liverpool's hands, given the amount of quality that's been taken out of their squad over the last season or so by the likes of United and Barcelona. I think Liverpool will just probably just have too much for them. And when they do come and attack, I think Liverpool's attack is just going to be far superior. And I think it might just be a case of outscoring each other. And I think Liverpool will just have enough to do that. Yeah, Ajax in, knocked out in the, the group stages last season. Valencia topping that group and, and Chelsea coming second. But they are still a very dangerous team. It's it's very strange as well, given the sort of calibre of European opponent, that Liverpool haven't played them since 1966. Yeah, I think that was the game where, where Bill Shankly said they were quite defensive, apart from Johan Cruyff or something like that. So, you know, he, he, I think they drew the... They lost, got beat 5-1, didn't they, in the, in the first game and drew 2-2 the second one? Well, that's what my dad said anyway. would like to point out I was not alive then. Not even close, but anybody says it, right? I mean, I don't, I don't sure. Uh, okay, I want to go back to Van Dyke and say, if you were going to pick a season where you were out for the season, this would be the season that you'd pick it. Because I can tell you now, it's. I know you lads aren't able to get to the games. Maybe you, you hopefully you will be able to very soon. But having done all of the games this season, it's just, it doesn't feel like proper football. And some of the players have said this. Think Andy Robertson said it. I think it, it was uh, it was Ander Herrera, wasn't it? Who said it after the Champions League final, where he he said it in a much stronger t- term term used to say how bad it was without fans. And I think Liverpool was struggling in the Champions League, but we can't forget that the, the Anfield crowd, the Anfield experience. You know, there's not very many famous European nights this year with no one there. Let's put it that way. Even if Liverpool win the games, no one's going to say. Oh, great at football, though. Yeah, they are, but well. But, well, yeah, well, they're not that great because they keep on getting knocked out of the FA Cup and League Cup. So proper, proper knockout, but <laughs> yeah, when there's fans there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that's me. That's my point. Is that I think anything could happen, and it's almost. I mean, I th- I thought originally Man City would walk the league because the fact that there was no one there, but then the, the lack of fans has changed things for every team, not just Manchester City and Liverpool. It's all of them, and I think. For, you know, for these 
for foreign teams. It's the same. They're playing in their individual leagues, where I think Holland's back on back into lockdown, has it? I think so. Even, so even if fans were able to go to the games here, they wouldn't have been able to go to, to the game in Holland anyway. So I think there's going to be a, a lot of this. I think the fact that, as I said before, the, the Champions League games are happening in quick succession will might change things a little bit. It's 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 hard to think what's going to happen. And having said all of that, Jurgen Klopp said something the other day where a lot of it, without the fans, there, it's up to the players to, to have bring their own motivation. I think given what Joe said about the way that they felt after they got big by Atletico Madrid and how much they enjoyed that run in the Champions League when they got to the final, and also then obviously enjoyed it even more when they then won it the following year, is this might be one where Liverpool think, well, we might be missing X, Y and Z, you know, Van Dijk and, and Alisson and some other players, this, that. But this might be one where they think, well, we can get through this group and then we can see what happens after that. So they might, whether or not Klopp decides, I'm not going to say prioritise, but he'll be reminding them of how important these games are because it's kind of like no fans are actually talking about it, are they? Really? They're not talking about this Ajax game. They're just thinking, oh, look, we've got these games coming up. We're this far behind in the league that these players are missing. The Champions League has been in danger of going under the radar, which had the fans all been turning up or travelling out to Amsterdam and then going to Anfield next week, that would never have happened. So that's another example of how no fans being there is changing the way people are looking at games. And well, having said that, I'm pretty sure when the game starts at 8 o'clock on Wednesday, everyone will be interested in it again. But it just doesn't feel the same. And I think we're going to have to accept that there's loads more strange stuff that's going to happen over the next six months or whatever. Liverpool certainly one of the favourites heading into the, the tournament, Joe. Does Virgil van Dijk's injury change that at all for you? Or do you think the pressure is still on them to get to the latter stages? It certainly changes. You know, they won't be as, as fair of a favourites if they, if they were one of the favourites. Uh, of course it does. You know, if you talk, if Lionel Messi went down injured for Barcelona, it would change them, wouldn't it? So, you know, it, it, it obviously does change things. But I still think, as I said before, I still think Liverpool should be saying, you know, we're, we're good enough to win this thing. We're good enough to, to at least get to the semi-finals. And, and I think semi-finals would be a, a minimum expectation. Um, you know, just because of the quality they've got, you know, we talked about it before. You take Van Dijk out, yeah, you know, you lose a lot. But how many teams in the world can boast players as good as as Liverpool have got in every other position? There's hardly any. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the the usual suspects will all be will all be favourites. And, and as Doyle said, Liverpool will lose their edge in terms of, you know, I think we all agree that they did have an edge because of Anfield. But but then it changes other things, doesn't it? And I still think. It would be very strange, yeah. Um, it, it's so hard to call, isn't it? I mean, let's face it. You know, I, even even the league, I think it's quite difficult to call because, as Doyle said, I I thought Man City would be better for those fans. But they don't particularly look that much better. And then even I think, like, could it open up the? I mean, I know I'm talking about the league again here, but I think it it does relate to all competitions. Does it open the door for more dark horses because the, the fans aren't there and circumstances have changed? Perhaps. But I still think Liverpool will want to be one of the favourites. And I still think, yeah, semi-finals has almost become minimum expectation because of how good the side is. Let's talk about the, the teams that we expect Jurgen Klopp to pick then. We'll come to you first, Connor. I think we all probably agree that Adrian will be in goal. But then there's a little bit of, of choice to be had across the back four because obviously Matip potentially uh, could, me, could be feeling something from the weekend. Would you risk him, even though he's been given the all-clear? Or, or how are you thinking for, for the back four? Well, it obviously massively depends on player, doesn't it, and how he's feeling. But given the fact that he felt something, went for a scan, given the all-clear. But Liverpool obviously assess him. But 
I don't think they have a lot of option other than to play Matip in this. It's important to get the Champions League campaign off to a good start. First group game, they will come in a quick succession. So Matip is in for me. Alongside Gomez, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, obviously. Doily, do you agree with that? No, Fabinho centre-back. I would take absolutely no risk with Matip. It's 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 pointless. And also, there's the fact that Fabinho... Why is it pointless? Well, because I just think that if you lose Matip, when he's had a scan and he's clearly feeling an injury just because it doesn't show up. And I know he's, he's perhaps not got the same kind of, you know, that there's certain players who feel injuries a lot more than others, should we say. Um, and it, it, it's also a confidence thing for him, isn't it? In the back of his mind, he might be thinking, oh, hang on, I hurt that. So I'm not sure whether I can go into this fall. It's, it's not just about there's actually an injury there. So if there's any doubt with Matip, He's not playing, and there's a doubt, so I'm not playing him. And Fabinho's going to have to get used to playing centre-back anyway because he could be playing six, seven, eight, nine games, ten games over the next uh, couple of months. Yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Fabinho in there as well. Joe, who are you going to go for? Yeah, yeah, so what Doyle said, yeah, I think I just I wouldn't want to take any risks with Matip, and if he does feel something, and, and you know you know what he's like, yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I Sorry, Connor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, we'll come back to you. <laughs> come back to you first, Connor, for the midfield as well. Nabi Keita possibly could be back. James Milner, I thought he might have played over the weekend. Curtis Jones, even. Who are you going to go for in the centre? None of those. Um, I'm going to go for Fabinho because he's not in my defence. Uh, <laughs> got to play because he looked excellent, and then it's going to be Wijnaldum. Interesting, Doily. Are you with Connor on the the midfield? We can't no, be. because I've got Fabinho in at centre back. So I'm I'm gonna go with the old the old faithful Champions League triumvirate of Milner, Henderson, and Wijnaldum. Milner always plays in these big games, and he's playing in this one. Yeah, I think certainly Milner and Henderson are certainties. Though I did say that, of course, heading into the Merseyside derby as well. Joe, finally, your midfield for the the, the game on Wednesday. I'm gonna go Henderson, Wijnaldum, Cater. Yeah, I think Kater, I've just seen that they've updated that Cater is back in training and available. So, oh, is, oh, is he? Is he? I'd like to, I'd, oh, I'd, I'd like yeah, to go back to my team and keep. I'd like to go back to my team and keep exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go back to my team with Fabinho. And... <laughs> <laughs> he's been nowhere near, has he? He's been MIA. He was MIA to um, Guinea, missing totally from the squad. So, I didn't think he was, but that's a great update. So, yeah. I'm going to change both my centre-back and midfield. Yeah, yeah, he had a... Liverpool just confirmed that he had a negative COVID test. So they, he was just oh, a precaution out until that came Was it negative? Yeah, because past, there was obviously um, a suggestion in, in Guinea, wasn't there, that was he negative, he'd yeah. got a positive one? Yeah. And in terms of the front three then, I suppose we can probably guess, but I will check with you all first, is... Uh, any uh, interest in Minamino or, or Diogo Jota coming in for you, Connor, or are you going all guns blazing? It just is a case of stick or twist with Firmino, isn't it? But, you know, he seems to have his best form away from home. Um, so I'm sticking. Yeah, I think Firmino in the this sort of game where I think it's probably going to be quite end-to-end, it could work in Liverpool's favour to have Firmino up there. Ian, are you playing him or are you making it a change? I quite like the way that Liverpool ended the game against Everton. So I'm going to have Jota on the left, Mane down the middle and Salah on the right. Interesting stuff. And, and Joe, finally, your front three. 
I'm gonna have a little bit of Minamino. I, I like Minamino. I, I've just thought he's looked good in every appearance I've seen him this season. So I think these games might suit him. So I'll have a bit of Minamino instead of Firmino. Take him up for in line. Mane and Salah. Yeah, I think Mane and, and Salah pretty much certain. We will go in reverse order then. We'll start with yourself, Joe, in terms of a prediction for the game on the Behind Enemy Lines podcast. I went with 3-1 to Liverpool, so I should probably stick with that. Joe, what are you going to go for? The only thing you can predict at the moment about football is goals, isn't it? Because there seems to be goals in every game. So, I, yeah, I think Liverpool will win. A 3-1 doesn't sound too... Yeah, 3-1 sounds all right, yeah. I'll go with 3-1. Doyle, what are you going to go, to go for? Well, have we had a 32-goal thriller till now? No? Um, <laughs> what did I say? I said at the weekend it would be draw. Don't know, you know, I don't think Liverpool are winning. No. Um, it's all right, you, Doyle. 2-all. 2-all. Interesting. I don't, know, I, don't know enough about, I don't know enough about Ajax at the moment, to be honest. And I'm only going off Liverpool and going off what I've... Saw from Alex uh, last season. So, yeah, two all. Connor, are you going to go for a Liverpool win? Obviously, as I always do. Oh, I mean, I'm predicting him to lose in this podcast. Um, Liverpool will win by goals, two of them, and it will be 4 2. <laughs> I hope you're right. <laughs> and they all come in the first half. That'd be good, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Liverpool fans would certainly take that. We will uh, see in time, of course, which one of us is closest. Plenty more to come between now and that game kicking off, including a podcast which previews the entirety of the Champions League to be released tomorrow, Tuesday morning, with a very special guest. So well worth keeping an eye out for that. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, from Ian Doyle, from Joe Rimmer and from Connor Dunn. Until next time here on the Blood Red channel, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.